Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is Politics Done Right. Welcome to Politics Done Right from the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston, your community radio station. We have a great program for you today. All right, folks, uh, before we get started today, I have big, big, big news to let you know. We are going live on Saturday at KPFT, but Politics Done Right uh, comes live three times a week, three times a week at noon Three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays at noon, as well as continuing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at three every day. But anyhow, I've been working uh, along with our compatriots at KPFT, all the wonderful volunteers at KPFT over the last several uh, weeks to get this building together, to uh, wire it up, etc. As you can see, we haven't been playing, man. We've been out there doing stuff. If you take a look at the screen, that's the new studio where it's all being wired up by a whole lot of volunteers that's been put in in Hours upon hours upon hours. There you have the general manager, the engineer, the couple engineer. Well, whole bunch of engineers in there, wiring all these things together and making sure that they can get to the satellite appropriately, so that we can transmit all over not only Southeast Texas but across the entire world. Anyway, folks, don't forget that uh, the one important thing is to support community radio, support independent media, because if that doesn't occur. We can't really get the messages out. But before, let's just go ahead and tell you what's in store. I am, pay, I am partnered with a great guy. This guy who knows a whole lot about drugs, marijuana, crime, the work. So, on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, be prepared for Politics Done Right with Egberto Willis on News to Know at Noon. And of course, don't forget that you have the moral high ground with Reverend Dean on the news to know hours at noon on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I want to repeat that because this is going to be very important. That noon hour is news to know at noon. So you are going to be very much informed and better. You are going to be a part of the conversation because... You are going to be able to call into Politics Done Right, that, uh, Politics Done Right, as well as call into the Moral High Ground Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays. That Power Hour news to know at noon. So please, folks, schedule it. Put it on your calendar. Tell your friends about it. Whether you're listening on TuneIn or the radio on TV, or we're going to be streaming it. Just like we stream Politics Done Right all over the internet, not only at my site, but also at kpft.org, at KPFT's uh, Facebook page, 
we're, it, it's going to be everywhere, but we want participation. We want engagement. We want to make you know that you are the one that makes make a difference. It's very important for us, especially in these times, to be connected not only together, but to our body politics. So don't forget, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, it's Politics Done Right with Egberto Willis on the News to Know at Noon Hour. Don't forget, and of course, there is the Moral High Ground with Reverend Dean on News to Know at Noon. Please, folks, we want to make this a great success. We want to make sure that people are here to be not only informed, but engaged. There's a difference between just being informed. Informed is sort of a, a, a passive thing, but to be engaged in being informed, engaged in the active discussion, engaged in talking to us, talking to Dr. Dean, talking to myself, talking to each other, making a difference, both uh, calling in, both online, doing everything that is necessary to improve the condition. So folks, please, we are ready. We've been working our butts off getting that new studio uh, put together. No more just no more just listen on in. You are now a part of the conversation. So you know what? Let's get busy. David Nevins, we meet again, the That's chairman good. of Bridge Alliance. How you doing, brother? Fantastic. Great to see you. Great it's to been see three you. Years. It's been yeah, this COVID thing really yeah. messed us up, you know. So but let me let me ask you, David. Tomorrow we have a special session, and I think we we need to go through a few reality checks. And I think you justifiably have some really reality checks that you want to discuss. Let's talk about it. Well, I've been to a lot of these convenings, and they're right. very uplifting. Mm -hmm. I mean, each one of them I leave with learning something about the movement, but learning right. things about myself, and uh, they're powerful. Mm -hmm. And people are motivated in the moment. But you know, how do we keep this going? Uh, we're, we're hoping to create a community of like-minded people to move the ball for our country how do how do we do that what will it take to to keep people invested well first before i answer or talk about that yes. i want to make sure and let our audience know that, you, that when you and i discussed this a little bit offline you first had a pessimistic tone and i wanted to get us talking about this tone in life for one specific reason because that is a very important reality check Yes. So my answer to you is the following. You're right. You said people have other lives. You said people have other organizations they're going back to. And I think you also imply that people eventually just get tired. I think you actually said that. And I, I want to ask you to think of another perspective. Uh, the Bridge Alliance is a great organization that you all have put together. The Bridge Al Alliances keep different organizations sort of connected. Everybody's not going to be disillusioned at the same time. Everybody's not going to be disconnected at the same time. Yes. As long as they have a place to go to, you know, a place where eventually they can rest their heads. Don't you think that in a movement uh, is something to continue to strive for? Oh, certainly. And if I conveyed that I was pessimistic before, that's not the 
quite accurate in that. I mean, this is my life. I, I know. Yes. That's why I said yes. I know that. Maybe, maybe what I conveyed is my impatience. In, okay. Well, I, I'll change maybe, that to impatience. Yeah. Because yeah. I, yeah. Am, I am an optimistic person, mm -hmm. and the challenges have changed in the three years yes, since it, we we were first met. Where at that time I was thinking more in terms of healthy self-governance and a 10-year, 20-year plan progression mm -hmm. for our country and our democracy. The challenges to me now seem more imminent about protecting and defending our democracy. So I think it's really important that the emotions that we felt in this room today, right. trying to find out what binds us together, that if we can have an active community of these 40 participants right. being a voice to bring 40 times 40 times 40 times 40 and figure out what it will take. I think, I mean, reality is finances are critical. Yes. And I spoke people have other lives and right. other things to do. But I think if it's defined tomorrow really well, and I won't be here for that ending tomorrow, I think the opportunity to get the support so that people can give their time and energy is there. I think so, too. I mean, you said that things have changed, which is true. Um, you said that um, we are in a movement now where first we thought we were only looking for equity. Now we're looking for equity and democracy. Yes. And, uh, I, and I said those two are not necessarily mutually exclusive. In fact, I think that um, the work that, uh, you know, I, I spoke to a whole lot of the people here and I, you know, I continue to stay not only upbeat, but positive, not a false positive, not something that you, you actually, when you said 10, 20 years, I've always been on the 25 year kick, right. you know, and the reason I've always been on the 25 year kick is I know how slow change makes. And I know the, the it's a two step forward, one step backwards, sometimes two steps backwards. You have to get there. So I don't, I, first of all, I, I understand your impatience. And I also understand that I don't think you have any quid. Well, when I was your age, I was on that 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm 74. <laughs> well, look, let, me, let, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. I don't think we are going to see all these changes, neither in your lifetime or my lifetime. Right, right. But you know what? You have to build. We have to build, right? That's, That's what you're exactly. doing. Isn't that it's, what you're doing? It's a journey. Yes. Building for the future. Building for, for the, the future. next generation. And the generation after and that. each of us yes. build for the next generation. Yes. And when we have our step backs, we have our yes. step, step yeah. backs. Yeah. Right. So anyway, tell me a little bit about uh, what else, what kind of plans have you had? How, what have you been doing? Well, the, the Bridge Alliance? Alliance has changed a lot since we last saw each other. Uh, of course, we still have our main mission of providing infrastructure for the hundred organizations within the Alliance. Mm -hmm. We're working on everything to improve our country, uh, democracy reform, bridging the divide, you know, everything related to uh, how our system operates. Mm -hmm. But above and beyond that, we've branched out now uh, into uh, the Fulcrum, which right. is a daily media publication right. with 300,000 eyeballs a month. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing that for a year and a half. But just getting people to read about and have a new mindset about what's happening in this quote movement right. is not enough. We have to turn ideas into action. So right. we created Citizen Connect, Citizen Connect US, right. which has over 500 organizations. So if you live in Kalamazoo, Michigan, or Idaho, or wherever, and you want to do something, people always come to me, what can I do? 
You don't know. You can go to that website. It'll connect you with events and organizations that most interest you in your locality. So that's very new and different. And, you know, that is what it's going to take, a whole lot of different ways to yes. try to get the, the communication out. I've been uh, in, in watching here and watching all the different subgroups that we got here. I heard a lot of ideas. And not only did I hear ideas, I saw people that weren't just talkers. Yes, they're doers. Yes. They're doers. They all have entities that are doing things. And one big difference about this meeting, opposed to the previous one you were at, that was a meeting of the Bridge Alliance. Right. Of all organizations within the democracy field. Right. This meeting has a lot of people, at least half of the people, if not two-thirds, mm -hmm. who are not involved in democratic reform. They're involved in community work, right. in justice reform, in things outside of the democracy movement. So I'm hoping that this meeting finds a synergy between, I know there's a similar mindset mm -hmm. in that we all desire justice. But I think you spoke yeah. about the magic. That synergy yes. is the magic. And I think yes. that's it, another, another way of growth, right? Definitely. That's the biggest growth I think we need, yeah. is to, um, the, the people at this meeting who are working in wherever it is, a, a young gentleman working on justice in Columbus, Ohio, and mm -hmm. uh, police reform, he's not directly involved in, democracy, you know, campaign financing reform and civic engagement thinking, although he's doing. Right. Yes. And we have to bring these people who are on the front lines who are at this meeting today, figure out what is the commonality? What what does bind us all together? Define it and define it in a way that impassions citizens across this country to bring about the change we all want. David Nevin. Yes, sir. Chairman, Bridge Alliance, <laughs> as usual. Always great. Thank Always you, my man. Thank you. For years, I've been talking about democratic policies or the policies most Americans say that they want. Now, everybody knows that the polls are closing. The generic poll has that Americans have 46% want Democrats, 46% want Republicans. But what is of more consequence was a blind poll that was done by MSN, by, by NBC. And it goes this way. We list out the policies that Democrats say they want and the policies that Republicans are campaigning on and policies are campaigning on, okay? And we see what it is that people really want. Want you to check this out? And then we'll take it on the other side because this proves everything that we constantly say. If we can get away from partisanship, we will get the we will actually get democratic values, progressive values. Check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. Exactly 49 days until the midterm elections and the latest NBC News poll shows that it might not be the wave election that many were expecting. The head-to-head -head matchup for congressional preference has evened out to a dead heat. And while Republicans lead on the economy, border security and immigration, Democrats hold an all-time high advantage on abortion and a double-digit lead on the issue of health care. Two very different campaign approaches with these platforms. At this point, in the past three elections, there was a clear advantage in the generic congressional head-to-head -head right now.
not happening this go around. Yeah, it is really close, Peter, is our congressional preference or generic ballot ends up showing. It's important, though, to note that that congressional uh, generic ballot is just one metric that we end up using to look. Others would be the president's approval rating, looking at the direction of the country. But when you actually look at who people are voting for right now, it shows a really close race. And it's a lot closer than it had been. Clearly, issues like abortion, as well as Donald Trump's increased presence on the national stage has really ended up boosting democratic enthusiasm. And that interest in the election enthusiasm really matters in a midterm election where not as many people vote as you would see in a presidential. And so getting your people motivated and inspired, that has actually happened for Democrats. But on the other side, Republicans see a lot of those uh, traditional metrics breaking in their favor. They, they have the advantage on the economy. They see a president who, while has rebounded in his approval rating, is still at 45 percent, which is dangerous, though. We did through this NBC News poll, courtesy our bipartisan pollsters. They put together the sort of messaging of both sides, but they did it generically here. They said, hey, so if there's one guy who's saying this and another guy or gal who's saying the following, where do you lead? And this was striking. The one with the platform mirroring Democrats leads by 14 percentage points and more than 20 percent of Republicans picked that platform as well. So explain why the Democrats platform is polling better than for the Democrats themselves. The message sticks, but maybe not the idea of being a Democrat right now. I suspect given Joe Biden's numbers, as much as they've grown, they're still not high enough. Yeah, Peter, it's important to know what we ended up doing. We actually took out the words Democrats and Republicans, Biden and Donald Trump, to ask a straight midterm message on what's testing better. And candidate Jones, and this was the Democratic message, this is somebody who wants lower prescription drug prices, uh, lower health care costs, wants to increase taxes on the corporations, wants to protect democracy, be against elections deniers. That's your Democratic message. Right. When you actually put that up against candidate Smith, which is the Republican message on gas prices are way too high. We need change. Grocery prices are high. Crime, we need to, immigration. We need, COVID lockdowns, you know, have damaged our kids test scores. Uh, the Democratic message, candidate Jones ended up doing better by 14 percentage points than the Republican one. What's actually going on here? And I think that we see this Democratic message that our pollsters devised testing pretty well for Democrats. But that's just one component of politics. So you got to put Democrat, Republican, Biden, uh, and those actually also just having those kind of brandings move numbers as well. And I get it. I get it. You, when you put, well, as soon as you attach party to it, the numbers change. But that can be fixed. That can be fixed with good messaging. I want to, before I get into the subject about policies, right? I want folks to know the absolute fact. The absolute fact over the last several decades, you can look at the numbers. The economy does better under Democrats than it does under Republicans. There's no question about it. The, G, the numbers that the GDP points out, the numbers that the GNP points out, the numbers of uh, that, that people, that, that every particular number that you can actually physically see, Democrats are up ahead in economic productivity and everything than Republicans are. I mean, it, it's not it's not even a, a contest. There is a marginal difference in governance and that one leads to better economic for the entire economics for the entire country. The other ones uh, leave some good economics for just the upper top of, of our of our spectrum. So again, Democrats have seeded business they have seeded that the economy is somehow a strong point of Republicans. The economy is actually one of the weakest points of Republicans. In fact, 
Bush number two crashed the economy. Trump crashed the economy. Bush number one with Reagan crashed the economy till Reagan got the bump from the, the, the going back into spending again and starting to govern like a Democrat. So let's as far as starting to spend like a Democrat is what I should say. So let's let's be clear here. Republicans never had a never had better economies than Democrats. Democrats always have better economic numbers than Republicans because they know how to govern in a better manner for all. Now, that said, I've been talking about we should never cede the policies to Republicans because the policies that that progressives want, the policies that Democrats want. If you take a look at a speech that I that I play all the time from Elizabeth Warren back at Netroots Nation, I think it was 2015 or 2014, I don't remember which one it was, she came out and she enumerated all the policies, progressive policies, and then did a poll on every progressive policy. And for every single progressive policy, 60% or more Americans wanted those policies, which already states or makes clear that Republicans wanted those policies too. And in this this new poll uh, conducted by NBC, where they gave a generic Smith and a generic Jones, Jones, uh, what they gave is, without giving you a party line, they asked, which policies do you support? Which message do you support? And most Americans supported the Democratic message, but it goes further. Over 20% of Republicans also preferred the Democratic message, which says if 20% of the Republicans, if the Republicans make up about 25% of the country or so. So that would say that if 20% of the people of them are Republicans actually wanted democratic policies, Democrats continue to have a supermajority in the policies that they support. They need to start acting that way. They need to start building on the truth. They need to start pointing this out, not only to Democrats, but going into Republicans. This poll should be all over the place. This is what you want, and most Republicans do too. Eric and Pedro, listen, listen, guys, today something monumental, in my opinion, occurred, something that you never see happen. Both of you knew of each other without knowing about each other. Let's, let's start it this way. Um, Eric, why don't you tell us a little bit about this story? Sure. Yeah. Tonight we were talking about legacy and uh, Pedro and I, we had met last night and had bonded a little bit because we're both veterans, but we didn't know uh you know, the full story yet. We've only talked for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But tonight we were talking about legacy and I shared a little bit about uh, my grandfather. Before you say that, though, what I want to add again is to say that we're here at the the uh, the Bridge Alliance Convention, the co-creating social cohesion in the United States. And each person had to say what they wanted their legacy to be. Yes. And in the process, you were going to go before Eric, mm-hmm. yeah. Eric was going to go before Eric, and he decided, no, let me go ahead and let Eric go first. Mm-hmm. And something happened. <laughs> yeah, so I just I was sharing uh, the tension that I feel personally about legacy because of my family history. 
And I mentioned uh, my grandfather, who had uh, back-to-back traumatic events happen in the mid-1940s. He was a Jewish soap maker. And um, through those experiences, he felt he had this epiphany where that if he could get the right words out to people, that he could unite Spaceship Earth. And because he was a soap maker, uh, he figured um, he was preaching on soapboxes in a, in a square in, in Los Angeles. Not many people were sticking around or listening. So he's like, well, maybe if I put it on a bottle of soap, people will at least read it when they go home. So, and uh, that's a company he started back in the late 40s called Dr. Brunner's Magic Soap. And then something magical happened after you told <laughs> that story. Mm. Pedro. Yeah, as soon as he said it, as soon as he started telling the story, I knew it. Like, as soon as you said, my grandfather, he was like, he got shocked to me. I'm like, this sounds just like Dr. Bronner. Hold on, his last name's Bronner. And I was like, no. And that's why I was like, kind of was like, what? But you know what? It was surprising because I, I would have thought, I mean, I think I would have interrupted him, man. Mm-hmm. But you didn't. No, no, no. I let him finish it. because I said, I was like, maybe there's another guy named Bronner that went through all this stuff. <laughs> but I was like, then he kept saying it. And I was like, oh, my God. But what happened is I come from, I came from a, you know, conservative Christian background. Mm-hmm. And I had some tension with the faith communities I was part of because I kept asking questions that I guess ultimately come down to questions of inclusion. Mm-hmm. But the main questions I kept asking at the time was for the people that we're saying are out like, shouldn't we love them more? That was the question I was asking. Mm. Shouldn't we love the people that aren't in our community more? Not more, but shouldn't we show them more love? Mm. Not because we're trying to change them or convert them, but because if, if well, not even just bring, just like, just loving them, love, not yeah. with, with no condition, no anything, because I thought, well, if this person at the time, my, my theology was that they were having suffering in this life and then they were going to be suffering for eternity. So I was like, well, can't we should be loving them more you know what i mean especially if this is the only experience they're gonna have because you know and i've shifted a lot since then but i just thought that and then it was taken as um oh you're saying like they was basically said i was liberal right and i didn't really know what that was yet so then i just kind of kind of got pushed out or shoved out or asked to leave or whatever and i kept running into it and so i went through this thing where i was like i want to still have my relationship my faith relationship but I don't really know where I fit in and blah, blah, blah. And I was just kind of like trying to figure it out. And my brother, who's a Rastafarian, he uh, he ended up saying to me, like telling me about this soap that he used to like brush his teeth. He like thinks he can do everything. So he was like, I brush my teeth with it. I do my hair with it. I can like clean the house with it. <laughs> and I was just like, all right, man. And then I was like, and I was like, well, if I see it, I might get some. And I went to Trader Joe's and then I saw the soap. That he and you read the soap. And I saw the soap that he told me about. And I was like, let me just grab it. And then I was like, all one. Let me see. Then I started reading the label. And then I just like said, man, I took it home. I read the whole thing. And I was like, I just kind of was like, wow, okay, hold on. Like somebody's saying the stuff that's kind of swirling in my mind. You know what I mean? And in terms of just like one and loving people and all these other things like that. Cause, and they had this thing called the moral ABCs. Right. And I was trying to find some way of grounding myself, like maintaining my faith. But didn't know where I fit in community wise. That, that talk, that and that that spoke to me. So then I, but I was curious, why would a soap company put that up there? Because it just didn't seem like good branding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just wrote them a letter and said, "Hey, I like I read your soap label. I'm just curious why you put all this stuff up there. There's something to that effect." And then some time went by. I didn't really think I would hear anything. Right. And you know, I kind of probably emailed them, but I just wrote a paper letter. And then I get a package back. 
And I was like, oh, it's from a soap company. And I opened up, I thought it was going to be coupons or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it was like a book of those moral ABCs, like just written out in a book form. And then a letter back that the person who got my letter wrote me back. Likely his dad. Probably yeah, my dad. Probably his dad. Wrote, me, wrote the letter back, told me I was going in the right direction and things like that. And he gave me a $20, $20 and was like, <laughs> here's a little, you know, sign, if you will. I don't know if that was that word used, but it was like, I'm basically, I'm putting my money where my mouth is saying that you're going in the right direction. That was like the kind of vibe of it. And I was just like, this is crazy. And so I, <laughs> I took it and I felt like I, it made me feel better. And I just kind of kept on going. But what are the chances that two people who don't know anything about each other come to a democracy conference mm-hmm. and each of you find out you had a commonality. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Is it that unheard of? Yeah, it's pretty crazy, pretty serendipitous. It was meant, meant to be. That- yeah. Well, I, I tell you one thing, because I, I think uh, it is important, you know, we're the kind of work that we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, I heard somebody say, I hope it works. Mm. And to which I responded, it can't help. In effect, I don't believe in hope. We have to make sure that this works. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I see things that are so disparate, like happen like this, I mean, how can you not say that things actually work? Things actually happen, yeah. right? Now, before I let you go, um, what did you get out of this uh, uh, Bridge Alliance conference? Uh, did you did you feel more empowered? Well, I, I shouldn't use that word anymore because I learned <laughs> otherwise. Bro, Brother Pedro. Okay. <laughs> so um, do, do you feel like uh, you can let the power from within uh, without? Yeah, no. I mean, I feel like uh, we're forming a new community of uh, like-hearted people that are on a mission to change the world, to change our country for the better. We're all doing slightly different things, but generally pulling in the same direction. And I... I feel like we're, we're going to be in this for the long haul and we're going to be encouraging each other. We're going to be picking each other up when someone grows weary um, because of this. We are all connected. It's all interconnected. What I tell you, I love is that, you know, we have people, we have somebody that's, uh, you know, pastor, maybe former pastor, maybe a pastor again. Who knows? As a, a lawyer or what you call yourself, <laughs> recovering attorney. Attorney, and I mean, <laughs> the, the fact that it's such a desperate movement, a this pirate, it, it, it proves that it can. Now, tell me a little bit about what you got out of the conference, the Bridge Alliance conference. Yeah, like I was saying yesterday. At first, I was just thinking about coming here for the broader movement. Like, okay, what are some? I guess we say strategy. Mm-hmm. And then. Yesterday, I said, you know what, let me ask myself, why am I here? Like, why did why was I brought here for whatever reasons, just to be in wonder about it? And then and it, that's what I kind of gotten out of it is like because I really believe in going within and connecting with the deeper sense of self and understanding your own inherent value, because that's what you can communicate and project out into the world if you experience it within yourself. And that oneness that your grandfather was talking about, like, I like really, like, I I think it's a good anchor, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, and even you being, me and you meeting up, and even I told my wife last night, I said, I don't know why I started talking to this guy. (laughs) Like, randomly, I didn't even intend to. Then I started talking to him, and then I just felt like I should keep talking to him longer, (laughs) but I don't even know why I did, because I really wanted to go to bed, but it just felt like I was supposed to talk to this guy. (laughs) And, And then it's like, your granddad's like was like a was like a life raft. That bottle of soap was actually a life raft in my like journey. Man. So I feel like 
for my own self, like asking why I'm here, I feel like it was part of this is like also doing inner healing because the democracy reflects us. Mm. And so if we all do our own inner healing work, we can do our part to heal this country. That's a good word. Now, I want them to say, Eric, what are you working? What's the organization you work with? Yeah. So I'm the founder of Veterans for Political Innovation. Mm-hmm. It's a mouthful, but we're just trying to get veterans to use their trusted voice to advocate for very specific reforms that'll make politics less toxic through more competition. Pedro? And I work for an organization called Unify and it's spelled Y-O-U-N-I-F-Y. And the U obviously is intentional helping people find themselves in the unif- in the, in the unity, like the oneness we're all one, you know? Yeah. And so that kind of energy and I, um, I'm their uh, director of engagement and essentially the way that I articulate what we're doing is that anywhere that people gather and they have a story of how they came together and a story of where they're going, then we can come in and be there with them, walking, working alongside them, helping them to create a powerful narrative of where they want to be. So if they have a disempowering narrative, we can help them establish a more powerful narrative and then a narrative of of all of us that includes all of us that, in that grander narrative. So that's like the energy behind why I am engaged with Unify right now. So. Pedro. Nice. Yeah. And Eric. Yes. You guys are a, a blessing, but thank you very <laughs> much for, uh, for talking to me. Yeah. Thank Thanks, you. Man. Thanks, Egberto. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to another edition of Politics and Right. We are here with Miriam Williamson, she's an American author, spiritual leader, and political activist. She has written 14 books, including four New York Times bestsellers. She's founder of Project Angel Food, a volunteer food delivery program that serves homebound people with HIV, AIDS, and other life-threatening illnesses. She is also the co-founder of the Peace Alliance, a nonprofit education and advocacy organization supporting peace-building projects. She has frequently appeared on the Oprah Winfrey Show. And as we all remember, she was one of the memorable candidates for the presidency of the United States in 2020. Welcome to Politics Done Right, Marianne Williamson. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. And thank you for having me on your program. Look, first of all, thank you for being here and thank you for what you are about to do. I understand that you are going to be participating in the Grassroots Emergency Election Protection uh, Symposium Forum. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, this is Harvey Wasserman's program uh, about election protection. I've known Harvey for quite a few years. Um, He does great work. And so that day at the Great Minds event, I assume you have the information there about when it will be. Do you need to look that up? Yes, I've Um, got it. It'll be posted in the blog. It's the 25th of September. Well, he will be talking about the effort to protect the election, both in 2022 and, of course, in 2024. And I will be talking about my general sense of where America is now. And uh, for that matter, why we even have problems with election protection to begin with. Now, one of the places I want to start with is because um, what do you see as the genesis of the problem in America? Why are we having these issues today? Well, there are are many angles uh, on which we can discuss that. But I think two are most important. 
One does go back to the beginning, of course. There is a flaw that was built into the system in 1776 when the the Declaration of Independence was signed. Um, It was signed by 56 men who did risk their lives uh, to sign a document, which if the war had gone differently and if the British had won, these men would have been executed as traitors. And by signing their names, they were imbuing uh, in our mission statement and our Declaration of Independence, the very enlightened ideals, particularly enlightened for that time, although to be honest, they're very enlightened for this time as well, that all men are created equal and that all men are given inalienable rights of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. The problem, of course, the inherent flaw, uh, the fundamental uh, dichotomy is that 41 of those 56 signers were themselves slave owners. So from the very beginning, there has been this bipolarity to the American consciousness. From the very beginning, there has been this inherent struggle between the enlightened principles on which we purport to stand and the fact that there have been forces from the very beginning for whom the exaltation of property rights and their own economic um, their own economic interests ran counter to the actualization of those ideals. So the struggle has always been and continues to be within every generation between those who are willing to struggle and sacrifice in order to attain those ideals and those who are willing to perpetrate even heinous forms of in, uh, violence in order to make sure that those ideals are not embodied. In a very real way, therefore, what we are experiencing now is simply the latest iteration of the original sin of this country. That's that angle. But there's another angle which has to do with the more immediate political realities. That has to do with how this particular iteration, the way it is currently uh, uh, manifest, how did this begin in our modern politics. And for that, you would go back to the 1970s. You would go back to uh, a man named Buchanan, who made the economic argument that the only way to ensure property rights was to put democracy in chains. You would uh, look at the fact that Charles and David Koch, who were radical conservative libertarians, said, we can fund that to the election of, of, of Ronald Reagan in 1980. With the election of Ronald Reagan particularly, although many of these things began even earlier, there was this, uh, this effort to vigorously dismantle the basic tenets of the New Deal, to introduce neoliberal, um, unfettered, unregulated capitalism as not only the governing principle for our economy, but basically for our society. Um, the Republican president started it. No Democrat, Democratic president has really stopped it. Republicans put full fuel behind this neoliberal, unfettered uh, capitalism as their organizing principle. Democrats try to have it both ways, of course. They slow down the problem. Mm-hmm. They try to fix the problem on the periphery, ameliorate the suffering of people that is caused by neoliberal madness but they're not in their current leadership establishment willing to um, challenge the underlying forces that create all that suffering because they're taking the donations as well. And as part of their insistence that they must toe the line with the neoliberal uh, corporatism, they do what they can to suppress 
uh, progressive candidates as well as progressive policies. Um, so on that, uh, if you're looking at the current iteration um, of the neoliberal corruption uh, economic system, of course, the Milton Friedman and so forth, um, that began really full force with the election of Ronald Reagan. But the original problem of thinking that property rights was more important than humanitarian values or democratic principle goes back to the beginning. I am glad you actually named Milton Friedman because I, I always consider Milton Friedman the codification of making capitalism more evil than it is inherently uh, by by making it known that no social that executives have no responsibility to social policy at all, but just to their executives and the, the shareholder to maximize shareholder value. Now, in 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 all, may that I you, say something to sure, that? Sure, go ahead, please. I, I do think we're, it's worth noting that Milton Friedman himself said, but that will only work if you have universal basic income. So Milton Friedman himself recognized that that can that must be accompanied by UBI. I hadn't read that part that, yeah. he, that he believed in universal basic income. Yeah, because he realized that otherwise he was just unleashing evil. Well, yeah, because the, the basic, the basic you know, tenet is mathematically speaking, it, the, the derivative is what it devolves to, right? Which means all, our, our, our wealth all goes to zero except for those at the top. That's just That's a mathematical exactly right. formula. But, That's exactly um, Exactly. So now um, you, you brought, you, you've been very hard justifiably on corporations. And in my humble opinion, even during uh, the campaign that you ran as uh, when you ran for presidency, there was a certain attempt at marginalization and minimization of you proper. Explain, <laughs> you explain so? that for me. Well, uh, after the second uh, debate, the Democratic debate, after the second debate, I was the most Google candidate in 49 states. Clearly, someone very high up in the Democratic Party said, get her off the stage. I was starting to get my sea legs in that second one. Uh, by the third debate, I could have been a real inconvenience, uh, I assume was their reckoning. Uh, and within three days, uh, the talking points were very clear. You couldn't open up your computer, turn on television, uh, read a magazine or newspaper that I wasn't being referred to as kooky and crazy and crystal lady and <laughs> new age nutcase. And I told AIDS patients not to take their medicine. And I told sick people that they just hadn't prayed hard enough. And I was anti-vax and I was irresponsible about, about mental health. And I was, uh, what was the other one? I don't know, dangerous, crazy lady. And they're very good at what they do. In terms no, I need, of being, I, I need to stop you there because in, in, in making those statements, you, 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 you brought up something that we speak about all the time, and that is the co-opting of the mainstream media to the corporate structure, etc. Talk to me a little bit about what, you know, what our, whether our media is real or whether we really should be dependent on what we do here in independent media. Well, it was in 1996, I'm sorry to say, under a Democratic president, Bill Clinton, uh, the Telecommunications Act of 1996 led to the complete monopolistic corporatization of mainstream media. When I was a child, the same company was not allowed to own, in a particular town, the same company was not allowed to own the radio station and the newspaper and the television. Once you, you gave just a few media companies power 
over uh, over this. Once you got rid, as Ronald Reagan had gotten rid of the fair doctors, uh, fair doctrine um, policy. What happened to the media is what's the same as what's happened to our energy policy is what's happened to our foreign policy is what's happened to our um, to our health care. It's all about profit. So mainstream media has become profit driven rather than truth driven. Uh, journalism within mainstream media has been diminished to such a point that serious journalists find themselves on the outs within their own industry. And that's why. That is why independent media is so important, because, you know, it's just like anything else. If it's profit driven, they're going to tell you what they want you to what they want you to hear for their purposes, for their economic purposes. uh, And and make sure that you don't hear uh, what would not serve their economic purposes. So they don't want you to be listening to to any uh, uh, political candidate. The primary example, of course, is Bernie Sanders. But uh, that was true in my case as well. And it's true of many uh, of these really wonderful uh, progressive candidates who have run in this congressional uh, season, and they will do what they can to marginalize those voices. What this what this partnership of corporate America and the U.S. government represents, or our political system anyway, what it represents is they have a very specific agenda, and they have also a very specific group of people that they see as capable of carrying out and perpetuating their agenda. And if anyone else comes in with, oh, I don't know, democracy, uh, voices that might not align with theirs, they have their ways of making sure that nobody will listen to you. And to numb it, your voice. And uh, they did a good job of it. it, it uh, they, they got you out of there. Uh, they put the stops on rather quickly. I remember it was a a, a, a quick exit, if you, if, if you will, with the mm-hmm. marginalization. and and. Although- Yes. No, I'm sorry. I'd like to point out that a lot of people, particularly on the left, who would like to think that they're not so easily propagandized, sure went for it when it came to me. Oh, I don't. Let me let me tell you something, Marianne. Um, I don't doubt that at all. Um, there's a there's a something important that we have to understand. Some people tend to believe that the left is much different than the right, but the the truth of the matter is. Uh, we have the same level of intellect and and many other things across the country. It just happens to be that the left happens to have the policies that are correct in general. But as far as and 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 being indoctrinated on the left side happens to be to turn out to be the right thing. But that left person could just as well have been indoctrinated on the right side. And turn out to have done the wrong thing. So, I mean, there, 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 there are a lot of issues in that regards. Now, that said, um, how are we going to uh, going forward? Because you stated the last statement that you make, I think, is uh, probative. Yes, a left, the left can be just as gullible as the right. My question to you then is. How are we going to solve this problem? This election of 2022 should be a, 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 a it, the way I see it should have been really a landslide for progressives, for Democrats, based on what Republicans have shown you they will do. That's what it shows. But even the polls today, even though I know that it's a likely voter poll and nobody knows what's a likely voter poll model going to really look like, it seems to me like it's going to be a closer election than it should be. Your thoughts? Well, the problem is not how many people are going to vote for uh, the Republicans. 
the bigger problem is how many people might stay home. Mm-hmm. And many people who stood in line for seven or eight hours uh, to vote for Joe Biden, um, knowing how dangerous Donald Trump was and really believing in the promises of Joe Biden, may or may not feel as enthusiastic and as willing to stand in line for seven hours um, on this coming midterm election, November 8th. Um, Biden started out, you know, there was a lot of talk about maybe he really would be a kind of Rooseveltian figure. Uh, But even though some things have happened that we can celebrate, the most important of which is that he did defeat uh, Trump, um, not enough has been done. For instance, the president could have declared a medical emergency and uh, given Medicare for all to everyone. Uh, The president could have declared by now a climate emergency and set us on a warp speed path towards green energy grid. Once again, on all of these things, he does incremental change Um, in this new Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, There is investment, pretty revolutionary, wonderful uh, investment in green energy. But at the same time, there's also uh, more drilling permits than uh, even Donald Trump got. There is the ten thousand dollar eradication of of the college loan debt, but he could have just done the whole thing. So why is it going to be closed? It's going to be closed because not enough people feel like it really matters to me to get him back and get the Democrats in there. There are just too many ways in which, while some people might see some difference between the two parties, even in, in this last two years. They don't see enough difference that um, they are willing to make the sacrifices necessary sometimes that, that are involved in trying to even to just get your vote counted in some of these states. Biden could have done more. Biden could be doing so much more uh, on, on people's health. He could be doing so much more for Flint. He could be doing so much more for Jackson, Mississippi. He could be doing so much more for Merrimack, New Hampshire. He could be doing so much more uh, for um uh, whether it has to do with clean food, clean health, clean, uh, clean uh, regenerative agriculture, people getting education. We should, should make a statement that we are going to have universal health care in this country no differently than they have in every other advanced democracy. Hell, they have it in Russia. They have it in China. They have it in Cuba. If if all the Democrats are going to do is make incremental changes rather than just go out there and declare this is how things should be. Americans should have universal health care, period. Americans should be able to go to free college or tech schools as high as they can go if they, in fact, work hard enough to make it, like in every other advanced country, period. There are so many ways in which Democrats continue to show up with incremental changes. And too many people don't even have a historic memory, institutional memory of a time when the Democratic party was unabashedly, unequivocally uh, in favor of the the working person of the United States, even recently with the railroad uh, unions uh, and they're wanting to strike. You know, the White House is bragging that they, um, you know, Marty Walsh went in there and they forged a compromise. Well, if you ask the average railroad worker, they don't see it as a compromise. They still don't have the sick days. I mean, it's just outrageous to think that companies that are making billions of dollars will not even give a sick day to its workers. And then we'll have the audacity to claim that, yeah, we have those profits, but the laborers didn't cause those profits, create those profits. That is outrageous. And people need to see that 
someone in the government is their champion and on their side. And um, I don't think it takes away from the things that Biden has tried to do in certain cases to point out that the average American, I don't think, sees him as their champion. I agree with that 100 percent. Unfortunately, um, that is the reason that I at the during the election, I was at Bernie Sanders supporters personally, because uh, Biden is executing maybe a bit better than I thought he would. But uh, he, it's, there's no surprise to me that Biden is a neoliberal. My question to you, however, Median, and, and please, please help me here. Uh, my question is, uh, if, we, if we get a right-wing government in power, the ladder up is going to be that much more. I'm not into incrementalism. I've written against incrementalism at Daily Coast and many other places. I've uh, about this railroad deal. I really wrote a few blogs about it that really hit them up as far as can you believe a rich company won't even give sick days off? Don't they need healthy healthy employees? Of course they do. But my thing is as a as a and act what I call myself an activist journalist. I am still trying to get folks to go out there and and pull the right button to hold pace until progressives sufficiently make the case that you have got to go full progressives. Do you agree with that stance or not? Absolutely. And I, you know, I endorsed quite a few uh, progressive candidates in their in their primaries uh, who were defeated by the corporate machines. But some are still out there. Derek Marshall in in California. uh, In Pittsburgh. Yeah, absolutely. Some are still there. Uh, But, you know, uh, people have different opinions. I'm still going to be hoping that the Democrats win uh, on November 8th, because in many of these races, people will not have the, ch- the choice of a progressive. They'll have a choice of a corporate Democrat exactly. or a Republican. And, you know, this is where, you know, not everyone agrees with me, but uh, I still prefer a Congress made up of um, of Democrats than Republicans. Um, that's how I come down on it. But I know Marianne, many people don't agree with me let, on let that. Me, let me tell you, that is, a, that, is the, that is the progressive answer. And, and, and uh, many folks who are saying, let it fall and burn, uh, that is the answer of privilege, because there are some who simply cannot afford to let it burn. Uh, I really agree with that. And thank you for saying it, because this anti-electoralism thing, um, this shaming of, of people who say we have to vote for the Democrats anyway. Um, I really think you're right. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, so that is where we go. But Marianne, uh, first of all, I want to remind folks and it'll be in the blog that Marianne will be speaking on the 25th of uh, on the 25th of September with the uh, name of the organization that she'll be speaking at is a grassroots emergency election protection. And, And all the information will be followed on the screen. And inside of the blog post for this, Marianne, before I go, uh, I always ask one last question, and that is, please tell me something that you would have wished that I'd asked you, but I just didn't get around to asking that particular question. You're really good at what you do. So there's actually nothing on a political level that I would say that about. If um, you don't mind, I'd like to give you another, a little more information about other places where I will be this week in Los Angeles. May I do that? Absolutely. I will be at Bernie's Coffee Shop on uh, the 24th 
and I will also be at a place, and I uh, I will also be at a place called um, Little Secret LA on the 23rd. And people can go to my events page at Marianne.com to find out all that information. Well, I'll make sure to add that into the blog as well, Marianne. And look, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. And and again, don't don't let 2020 stop you from 2024, okay? Thank you for saying that. I'm my ears are open and um I'll I'll put I'll put your saying that into on that side of the ledger. Thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. Absolutely so. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. God bless you, sir. Thank you. You can listen and or watch Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politics done right or on YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My Twitter handle is at Egberto Willis, at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L. I-E-S. But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all central time. Please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds. Keep KPFT on your mind. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them you know about this station in town, 90.1 FM Houston, that needs your support. That is there to provide that nourishment that we need. KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Well, folks, that's it for today. You know how I'm going to end this baby. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. <laughs>